if you have less, that means I have more, you know, and I want more and more and more for me. So it creates this competition, which I don't think is rooted in the idea of divine love. And I think uh, the idea of divine love um, lets us know that we all have um, the spark of divine, um, the spark of the divine in us. And, and we're all worthy of, of unconditional love uh, instead of being, a, being someone to compete against or take from, but we can be somebody to build with and grow with. Welcome to Awakening Lives, a podcast of the Spirituality Network. We seek to cultivate the awakened life through contemplative living and action. Joining me today is Dan Clark. Dan is a good longtime friend of mine. And uh, Dan, I'm excited to have you here to talk about uh, the second component of our Jedi series on equity. And uh, Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the role that you currently have? Sure, yeah. Thank you, Alejandro. Good to be here with you. Good to have this conversation. I appreciate our friendship going on about a decade now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I to introduce myself, uh I'm Reverend Dan Clark. I use he him pronouns, uh but I prefer everybody just call me Dan. Um I am a minister in the United Church of Christ, uh which is how Alejandro and I met once upon a time. Uh currently I am the Director of Regional Organizing for Faith in Public Life. Uh, which is a 501c3 organization based in Washington, D.C., and their sister organization, Faith and Public Life Action, uh, which is 51c4. Uh, in that role, I I lead the the field work and the field team in, in multiple states as we organize faith leaders to uh, make change together across the across the nation. I have been so impressed with all that you've been doing, Dan, uh, I have really enjoyed the justice table conversations that you gather every month and the array of leaders that you bring together. It is chock full of information. And I always go away so inspired by the commitment of so many people to uh, drive justice in the world and uh, the, the way that People are living out their faith by by doing that. I I just kudos to you for everything you do to pull that off. Uh, I know that uh, you pack an awful lot into a very short time frame, but I always walk away so informed. That's awesome. I'm I'm glad you've been a part of it. Yeah, Interfaith Justice Table uh, started in 2016, and not every month, but almost every month since then, we've met either in person or online or now hybrid. And it really does create like a, a circle uh, where people can do work together to, to move forward in these, in these categories in justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Yeah. It's uh it's a beautiful community that uh, you're pulling together. And uh, you know, I, I, I think it's so important that the faith community is seen as broader than just a few voices uh, that uh, have perhaps a perspective that might be different than mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just appreciate the 
the way that uh, you're bringing all those voices together. Yeah. I, you know, I love nature and I love music. And so when I think about those things, when I think about nature, I think about how diverse it is that our, our world has so many different um, features. You know, I would, Alejandro, you and I were just talking about how I was at the beach last week and you were at the mountains this summer and like this, this diversity brings beauty. Right. And, uh, and I love music and I think about all the different voices that come together to make a choir. And I think I want to live into those kinds of, uh, ways of being together. Yeah. Yeah. Find their voice and find their beauty and we can do it together. And, we're not all the same and and we're not all singing the same note, but we can be beautiful together. We can harmonize together. Right. I, I think there's a tendency by many to, when they think about diverse voices, to seek the things that they have in common. And I am just a, a huge proponent of celebrating the things that make us different. I think that's what makes life interesting. Not that you and I both have a connection to the UCC, but that you love the beach and I love the mountains. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a a, a great uh, awakening that happens when we introduce ourselves to people that view the world differently than we do. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've learned from one of the faith leaders that's been active at Interfaith Justice Table. Um, Imam Horsed Noah, he he serves the Abu Bakr Hasidic Islamic Center on Columbus's West Side, as well as Outreach Director for Somali Islamic Centers of Ohio. He he often will point us to the Quran where it talks about how we are created diverse so that we can celebrate our diversity, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's not that we can find differences, but so that we can celebrate. Yeah. So I'd I'd love to talk a little bit about faith in public life. And uh, perhaps since our focus here is on equity for this conversation, uh, what in what ways does faith in public life strive for equity? And and perhaps why is that so important? Yeah. Yeah. So I believe that um, faith in public life is striving for equity in the ways that we envision uh, different states and a nation where everyone has what they need to flourish. Everyone has what they need to feel a sense of belonging. Everyone has what they need to, to fully be themselves. Uh, and because of the, the ecosystem that we occupy, we think about what policies either enhance those opportunities or restrict those opportunities. You know, there's other ways of, of building towards equity that don't have to do with um, you know, federal, state, or local policies, but that's that's where we're focused, and and so in trying to build equity through policy, we are really focused on where where the power is and how we can pull people who have been marginalized, pull them to the center of the story, um, invite them into the center of the story, and and really create opportunities for them. With them, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, the more time I've spent on this earth, the more I re- recognize that so much of life is about trying to understand power and use it appropriately and leverage it where you can and use it for good rather than for evil purposes. 
And there are certainly people out there that are using it for evil purposes. Yes, for sure. And and faith leaders have power. Faith leaders have power in the community. Uh, I think people people listen when faith leaders talk. They turn to them for guidance in their life. They turn to them for perspectives on the the issues that affect our communities. And and so to to partner with faith leaders to to build power that isn't for greed or personal gain but for um for lifting up other people into into opportunities to flourish is is how faith and public life tries to approach it yeah yeah well i i know that uh you are uh trying to shepherd an awful lot of work and i've got to imagine that it's driven in a large part by your personal passion about this so what what is it that motivates you to want to see equity uh be more uh, realized in our community i need to figure out how far to zoom out <laughs> in order to to respond to that but um you know i when i was earlier in my career i was working in outreach and development for organizations that were uh, providing care to orphaned children in Eastern Europe and um, in East Africa, uh, not only orphaned children, but also those in need of medical care. And a, a lot of that work is what I, what I call like mercy work. You're, you're showing up for, for a need and trying to meet an immediate need to get somebody over a hurdle. And that might be like offering a tool um, like a, like workforce development or medical care that can help move people along. But I think as if we're only doing that mercy work, we're missing the opportunity for the justice and the equity. And so it started to open up my eyes to the fact that like there are systems and structures in place that make it so that certain people have more challenging obstacles to get to the same opportunity to get to the same sense of uh, safety and health and wellness. And, and so my passion for the work that we're doing now really kind of started in seeing some of those most mar marginalized folks and, and what put them in, in that place. And I think equity is a, working for equity is a response to the systemic and structural obstacles that people face it's a it's a way of um pulling people to the inviting people to the center of the circle mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I, it, it's really about in in my mind all of the things that happen upstream mm -hmm. that uh, are causing the need for the mercy work that uh we're, we're encountering there's so much that we could do to prevent uh, the suffering that uh, exists if we do look at the systems and the and the policies and procedures that are in place. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, when we come together, the community knows what they need. I think that's a big part of achieving equity as well is um, discerning those needs as a collective, discerning those needs as a community. Um, there's a 
a late community organizer who was beloved in Columbus and, and around the country, who was a mentor to me, Ruben Castilla Herrera, um, who talked often about trusting the circle. Yeah, you come into this circle. And I think when we, when we circle up, uh, we're showing solidarity with, with one another and we're learning from one another and there aren't people left out. There aren't people behind, but um, we're, we're facing this circle uh, we're facing one another in this circle. And then in that circle, we can collectively discern, like, what does it mean for there to be equitable um, experiences here? Who, What do people need um, yeah. in order to flourish? Yeah. I, I happened to run this, uh, run across this on my Facebook feed this morning. Um, Want to share it with you. Yeah. Um, perhaps you've, you've seen it. It's a, uh, a quote from Micah Edmondson, and he says, you cannot love your neighbor while supporting or accepting systems that crush, exploit, and dehumanize them. You cannot love your neighbor while accepting less for them and their family than you do for you and your own. Mm -hmm. I think that just summarizes the need for equity so well. Yes, it does. And it it brings um, the Judeo-Christian tradition into the conversation too, the, the idea of loving your neighbor that that we find in the Hebrew Bible, and that um, for those in the Christian tradition, Jesus brings in into his sayings as well. And I think it's a um, a great guide for how we how we find equity. Yeah, too. yeah. So um, perhaps we could pause for a moment and talk about the difference between equity and equality. How do you see those? Maybe similar or different. Yeah, I think um, I think if the if I wanted to narrow it down to just a simple response, equality is things that are the same, and equity is things that are fair. Um, mm. Equality is sameness, equity is fairness. Uh, and going back to how we were talking about nature in music, um, what makes nature and music so beautiful isn't that it's all the same. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, it's that there's that beautiful diversity. And so I think equity brings with it a kind of beauty um, because there's diversity in equity and that diversity is celebrated and acknowledged. Whereas equality is, you know, everybody gets a size 10 shoe. Equity is everybody gets the shoe that fits your foot. Yeah. yeah. You know, you've probably seen this cartoon uh uh, it has three children standing behind a fence watching mm -hmm. a or or attempting to watch a ball game on the other side of the fence. And they're all standing on a block that's the same size. The challenge is that the kids are three different heights and only the tallest kid is able to see over the fence. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and then the second uh, illustration, it has uh, the the tallest kid standing on the ground, still able to see over the fence. The middle-sized kid is on one block and can see over the fence. And then the shortest is on two blocks and can see over the fence. So that, I think, summarizes equity for me. Yes, yes, definitely. And and it also uh, it helps me understand why we live in a society that so lacks equity is because of the the drive to get what we need for me <laughs> for 
for me and mine, instead of having this broader view, um, a, a broader view of what it means to be neighbors and what it means to love your neighbor. Uh, so do you think that's perhaps that uh, need for self-preservation or self-achievement that is perhaps the biggest barrier to equity? Or are, are there other things that uh, get in the way, especially the work that you do? Yeah, I think I think that is definitely related to what the biggest barrier is. Um, I think if we look at it, through a psychological lens, I've learned a lot from Brene Brown. I I love her work, love her books. Mm -hmm. uh, she talks about this scarcity mindset, where um, if if you have if you have some things, that means I don't have them, and that then we need to negotiate. Whereas we can shift to having more of an abundance mindset. You know, this world has what we need. Um, if if only we can approach it with equity and with love, yeah, uh, I think the that very that scarcity mindset then created um, the the problems that we're living with today in the states, with um, a, a nation built on stolen land with stolen labor, um, and all of that comes from a scarcity mindset and a, a hunger to. Um, to satisfy oneself without uh, zooming out and seeing that we're all connected, that yeah. we're all connected, that divine love connects us all. And if we're operating from a place of scarcity, we're denying the, the reality of the divine love that connects us all. Yeah. We're, we're recording this on the afternoon where we held the living faith awards breakfast uh, just this morning. And uh, John Edgar was our recipient of our Enduring Hope Award and our keynote speaker. And the title of his talk was A Divine Economy of Abundance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to confess that I, although I really like to think that I live from a, a mindset of abundance, I probably don't live that as fully as I possibly could. And uh, there, I, I'm putting limitations on the divine and our connections to one another because I'm not fully living into that. Yeah. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too, Alejandro. I'm in. I'm in that club too. That I'm not living in a from an abundance mindset. I I just think about like the the stress and pressures of modern life, the way that it's been created with the. Um, people without health care, people without um, their basic needs being met, people um, without access to education and workforce training and harm reduction. There, there are so many barriers that then push us into that scarcity mindset instead of um, being sure that the policies that we all live with, live under, uh, set us up for success and flourishing. So so you mentioned a couple of uh, things, Dan, like not having access to to healthcare. Are there things that we should be looking for that are signs that inequity is happening? Is there something that we should observe and then think to ourselves, I wonder if there's something going on here that I should look a little deeper at to make sure that 
an equitable uh, reality could be taking place. Yeah, I th- I think uh, I don't have the facts and figures in front of me. So if there needs to be follow up um, research done on this, that that's good. But you know, we have adjacent zip codes um, in Columbus with very different health outcomes. You know, we think of um, you know how close the hilltop and Upper Arlington are to to each other, or Grandview Heights and Franklinton, uh, and such different health outcomes just a, a short drive away, even with access to the same the same healthcare systems. So that tells me like there's something else going on here. You know, there there are barriers to to equitable access to health and wellness. And I believe that those things come from um, policies that were created by people with scarcity mindsets, uh, you know, and some of our some of our friends at the interfaith justice table work on some of those things. Pastor Charlotte Rudolph with um, Universal Healthcare for American Now Ohio, UCAN Ohio, and Deacon Nick Bates with um, the Hunger Network in Ohio. They're they're looking at the policies that are keeping people from from being well nourished and and from being able to flourish. And there's no reason there's there's no reason that everyone can't have access to these life giving resources, but because of inequities, uh, there are barriers. Yeah. And and it doesn't appear that uh, we're moving in a direction where those are getting better. It it feels like we're separating uh, the, the people that have the most from the people that have the least even more. Yes. And then, and then we end up blaming each other uh, for the problems instead of, instead of realizing like Ruben taught me, if we come into a circle together, we can collectively discern what, what the community needs mm. and stop blaming each other. Mm. So I I wonder if some of our challenges with inequity are a, a result of kind of the, the Western mentality mindset that, uh, that we have. Um, do you think that's... An issue I know that uh, we're very individualistic in in the West, as opposed to some Eastern traditions that are look looking more at a community and looking more holistically at things. Um, it, is there a particular issue with a, a Western mindset that leads to more inequity? Yeah, I I definitely think there is. I think um, the fact that. Um, that Americans work more than most U S Americans work more than most people in the rest of the world, but are less happy than most people in the rest of the world. Like without getting into too much um, socioeconomic analysis that I'm not, (laughs) I'm not prepared to, um, to back up that tells me, okay, something, something is going on here, you know? Um, I read the, um, I read a book called the Nordic theory of everything, which was very interesting. And, Mm. um, you know, there's often these, uh, these surveys that say which countries are the happiest. And a lot of times the Nordic countries end up happier and, um, it's not because they have the best weather or or the the best, (laughs) 
sports on TV, you know, they, they don't have, you know, the, this, they don't have Hollywood or the NFL, uh, but they have ways that they care for one another in community. Um, and this is one of the major differences. Whereas in a, in a country built on a scarcity mindset, um, if, if you have less, that means I have more, you know, and I want more and more and more for me. So it creates this competition, which I don't think is rooted in the idea of divine love. And I think, uh, the idea of divine love, um, lets us know that we all have, um, the spark of divine, um, the spark of the divine in us and, and we're all worthy of, of unconditional love, uh, instead of being a, being someone to compete against or take from, but we can be somebody to build with and grow with. Yeah. Well, obviously the spirituality network is one concern with our spirituality. Why, why is equity a matter of faith? What, what would Jesus say about the inequity that uh, we see in society today? Yeah. You know, there's, there's several stories that quickly come to mind where the person with the most need that, you know, a crowd or a group of people approach Jesus and it's the person with the most need that Jesus pulls to the center of the story. Right. Um, he doesn't say, okay, everybody stand in a, a straight line. He says, you who need this physical healing or you who are hungry or you who are afraid, you come closer, Hmm. you come closer. And so it's like that cartoon that you talked about, like not everybody's getting the same. There's not an equality of treatment that Jesus gives to the people he um, interfaces with. There's not a sameness, but there's a fairness because he's reaching into the lives of those who are in most need and those who have the most barriers. Uh, And Jesus does not hold back in criticizing those who create obstacles uh, to barriers, you know, whether, um, whether those are economic or social or, you know, calling out misogyny, uh, calling out racism. uh, He, he pushes against those things uh, in an effort to, to bring everybody into that, that center of divine love. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So what could we be doing? We mean, meaning just the average person to help build a more equitable world. What would make your life easier uh, as uh, for the role that uh, you currently have? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I think one thing I'm concerned about is the way that faith language and the faith message has been hijacked by extremists who dehumanize people based on um, how they identify or who they love or where they were born or what language they speak um, or what color their skin is. Like there's so there's extremists who are, um, who are only perpetuating harm by by what they're doing and but they they package it in deceiving words that make you think it's coming from a, a place of faith 
uh, and then people who maybe grew up in faith uh, think, oh my, is this, you know, is this what God wants for us? Does God want us to ban these books? Or does God want us to restrict birthing people from, from having the, the healthcare they need? Does God want us to not have a representational democracy protected by the Ohio constitution? You can, you can hear I'm bringing up several things that have been in the news here in Ohio lately. Um, so my, my goal would be that people really take the time to get in touch with um, one another spiritually and, and really see through spiritual eyes what these issues are and and then vote to to bring some change to policies so that we can have policies that that enable us to flourish yeah yeah i've uh long believed that silence implies consent mm-hmm. and uh i think it's so important that we raise our voices and voting is certainly one of the ways that uh we we raise our voices so yeah you know one of my you didn't ask me what my pet peeves are but one of my pet peeves is uh and i hope this is taken with the love that i intend it uh but when people say oh i'm not i'm just not into politics because politics are into you <laughs> you know the, the those in power are either interested in you ignoring what they're doing as they only centralize and increase their power or um, if they are faithful to being responsive and representative to the people that put them in in office they're they're going to create solutions for the challenges in your life so whether you're into politics or not politics is into you and that doesn't mean that I think everybody needs to have 24 hour news on at home. Actually, I, I don't, I avoid all that <laughs> as much as possible. Um, Lucas Nelson, Willie Nelson's song has Willie Nelson's son has a song that says, um, turn off the news and build a garden. Hmm. So I, I, when I say be in to, you know, pay attention to politics, it's not have, have 24 hour news on, but educate yourself on the issues and know how they affect you, how they affect your loved ones, how they affect your neighbors, and really prayerfully and carefully vote uh, in every election. You know, the, the I heard somebody say once, the most important election is the next one. Hmm. So I really want to encourage people to bring their faith um, to the ballot, not because I think the church and state should come together. I believe in the separation of church and state, but I think our values should dictate um how we co-create our communities yeah and and a lot of us draw our values from a faith tradition there are others who draw their values from elsewhere and i want them to bring those values as well absolutely if it's not from the faith tradition they still have a, a a set of values and if if love and humanity is is a part of that story it will help us co-create a more equitable community for for us and for our children and our grandchildren beautifully said i had, uh, i absolutely agree with you i i love the way you put it about politics being in us you you just you're fooling yourself if you think that uh 
your your life is not impacted by politics. It absolutely is every single day. Yeah, it is. Well, th this has been delightful, Dan. Uh, any closing thoughts that, uh, or anything that we left unspoken or that needs to be emphasized that you'd like to bring up? Yeah, I'd just say when uh, if if you're in Ohio, vote on or before November seventh, and when you do, love your neighbor with your ballot. Um, and if you're in other parts of the country listening to this, you can do the same. I think, um, I think love can can help us co-create a, a society where everyone has has access to flourishing. Absolutely, and uh, I'm excited that you and I can carry on this conversation. Uh, our Jedi series. Uh, we have a an event on November 13th where you and I. We'll invite others to participate in the conversation, uh, and uh, that will be after the election. So we should have lots to talk about uh, when we get together then. But uh, thank you for your time, Dan. And uh, for everyone else, thank you for joining us today for Awakening Lives. This is one more way the Spirituality Network connects people with resources for spiritual growth and depth, regardless of faith tradition. Through education and training, spiritual direction for individuals and groups, and community programs and events. Ecumenical and interfaith, the Spirituality Network honors diversity and does not proselytize. If you wish to know more about our programming, please visit us at spiritualitynetwork.org, where you'll find information about events like our Jedi program happening on November 13th. Join us again next month as we explore ways to awaken our lives and transform the world.